Welcome in to our second edition of Tater Tot Sports Talk. I'm your co-host here, Casey, alongside Aaron. Um, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. It's been a it's been a couple weeks since we did our last initial podcast, but as um, ready to get back to it. You went on a couple of vacations, yeah? Yes, I did. So as we were talking about last uh, last podcast, I was in Indianapolis. Got to go to some March Madness games. Um, was in Mexico last week as well in Cancun, um, living it up on the beach, swam with dolphins, zip line, all the super, fun stuff. Super tough lifestyle. Yeah, life's know. rough out here, but we we, we yeah. do we do what we can. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the March Madness, unreal. Um, we can get into that in a minute, but um, yeah, so nice, so Boy. nice to go to some games. But how how are you doing with your bracket and um? Just some upsets, and, and what are we looking at? Because we haven't talked since we filled out our brackets. We were getting ready for the first round. How's, how's everything looking? So, yeah, we haven't talked since about that first time filling out the brackets, but um, it's, been, it's been interesting. It's been, it's been a wild ride because I've yet been surprised again with – you know how many upsets there's been mm-hmm. even though we feel like every single year oh there's not going to be this amount of upsets <laughs> yeah. again and then but, show, hey. there we are every year and then of course just all of our predictions going wrong firstly don't need to go into it yet but starting off with the pack 12 of course <clears throat> what was that about unreal I mean, we'll hop into that un- in a minute. unbelievable yeah um but no honestly so my bracket started off a little rough um first round games there's a lot of upsets that i didn't pick yeah and then a lot of upsets i picked that were wrong so yeah i don't know about you but that very okay so the second day of the tournament my bracket did phenomenal that first day train wreck was that the same for you or which day was better on that first round um i think my second day was actually better than my first day okay i think the first day was probably more brutal and it started off with that um what was that first game? It was the, Arkansas, uh, the overtime game. Arkansas Colgate the, was one of the first. Oh, no, no. You're Florida, yes. Virginia Tech. Yes, yep. Florida, Virginia Tech. We both had Virginia Tech. And, yep. yep. But that was sweet. They drove down down three after a missed free throw, tied it up. Um, that dunk in overtime, no. too. Oh, my gosh. Monstrous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so my bracket's been – it's been steadily climbing up though, so we'll go the, into more discussion yeah, of that of a little bit. But how is how's yours been? It's uh, so like I said, that first day was a little rough. Um, I was actually able to get into that Arkansas Colgate game last minute. Um, probably the second best game that I was at. Um, I went to four games in Indianapolis, but the Arkansas Colgate game, awesome. Um, it was at the Pacers Arena. Arkansas fans were representing Colgate had a lot and Colgate had a 14 point lead early. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy game. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, Arkansas came back one by 17, but still fun game. Um, but I mean, I, I, I gotta take the hit right here. I lost a lot in that first day. Winthrop did not upset <laughs> Villanova. I lost the North Carolina pick, lost the Purdue pick, obviously. Um, Utah state didn't upset Texas tech as I thought, um lost to virginia tech ohio state obviously with oral roberts um yeah oh boy oh my goodness who would have lost the tennessee oregon state pick 
um, lost the San Diego State pick. It was a brutal day, and I'll I'll be the first to um, suck up to it right here. But it it was a bad day. The second day I did really well, but yeah, there was a lot of upsets, and I was not um, not looking too sharp after the first one. But we've we've gathered <laughs> so, and and I've come back a little bit, but yeah, it was tough. Kind of um, kind of backtracking to talking about oral roberts we got we got to we got to kind of start off with that just because i mean one question how that was <laughs> that was that was the surprise of the whole tournament so far nobody saw it coming and who who would have thought i mean who's who's oral roberts like exactly let's see here ohio state day two right day two mm-hmm. game no day one was it day one yeah that was day one the whole right side of the bracket was day one and Ohio State was a huge pick to get into the Final Four. Yeah. Um, and then they go on. They beat a really good Florida team. And then a tough loss in the Sweet 16 to Arkansas they had too. That. And that that was a really good Arkansas team too. So. Yeah. I don't. I'm not in love with that Arkansas team. Um, I I didn't like Arkansas or Ohio State. I mean, I had Arkansas losing round two um, mm-hmm. to Utah State. And I had Ohio State by default in my Elite Eight just because, yeah. I mean, I was like, who's, who's right. going to beat them? Like, Arkansas, I didn't think was good enough. Um, but, yeah, who would have thought? Out of any of the 15 seeds, um, I mean, we got a good game out of Alabama-Iona for a little bit. Cleveland State was no match. Um, GCU, of course, we can get into. But, yeah, Oral Roberts out of anybody. Not and one, but two. It's kind of <laughs> – no, yeah. Um, honestly, from my point of view, I thought, uh, what's his name? What, I don't know his first name. Amos? Amos, yeah. Dude, I don't think I've seen a more exciting player in this whole tournament than him. He was lighting like, up. Watching him, watching him handle the ball, watching him take over every single game. I mean, he's probably three inches shorter than every single person on the court, and yet he's just lighting everyone up. Kind of reminded me of... Uh, Old time Kemba. Yes, yeah. Just finding a way. Just it gritty was, and competitive. I love it. Was it was impressive. They I think they had two guys on their team accounting for over seventy five percent of their like, points. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I forget the That's other crazy. guy, but props to them. Greatest upset of the tournament. Um yep. I was impressed, but um I mean they no longer are here and they they little, made their uh, run, but a little sidetrack question. Do you think having that kind of run in that big of a stage would boost someone like him who's being only what maybe 510 do you think that would boost his draft stock possibly honestly not at all not a bit really look look into the GCU Iowa game um i mean just just hopping into that real quick too GCU uh, i was able to go to that one obviously i'm an alumni there um yep. great game we battled hard they shot unreal it was not something we were going to be able to compete with um mm. still a fun game i mean maybe different circumstances it could have been a different outcome but they still played hard i was proud of gcu and great game to go to but looking at luke yeah, garza it was a fun game to watch okay we've got a seven foot all-american right mm. just a a power man down low he can shoot the three absolutely lit up gcu and oregon um averaging 25 points a game in the Big Ten, 
So he's he's playing on one of the biggest stages, and he's barely a second round pick. Yeah. He's barely getting drafted because of his his body. That's you know that that's actually a great point. It's it's a lot different watching like um, the NBA draft to the NFL draft where there's two rounds versus seven because I mean you got to be one of sixty players in the entire nation if you want to get drafted. Yeah. So that is a solid point. Um, it's it's weird though because I mean he was the all he was the leading scorer this year in all of NCAA mm-hmm. like that's got to be something to take into consideration for a lot of scouts. You would think, but in a sense too, like that makes no difference. I mean, you don't have an athletic body, you don't have an athletic build, which I get. I I mean he's still pretty mobile, but um, late second round, it's almost one of those picks where it's like, all right, this guy could be a, a stud, but most likely he's going to be a flop because he can't compete with. The DeAndre Aytons, the Joel Embiid's yeah. down low, which I completely get, yep. but it, it still sucks. Yep. It's kind of like, do you remember Tyler Hansbro? Yes, for, uh, North Carolina. Yes, guy. yeah, I was reading the article on this. So he's their, uh, I'm not going to say all time leading scorer, but he's up there on the list. He averaged mm-hmm. over 20 points a game, I believe, through his four year career. Gets drafted, huge flop in the NBA. I don't, yeah. you, you can't, you can't define that and, and, figure out what happened um but i think that just comes to show like there is there is like some accountability that goes into a player's body and how that will translate to the nba so i get it absolutely but as for um that guy with oral roberts luke garza i i think you just kind of get the short end of the stick and enjoy your time in college yeah and i mean i bet we could i think everyone in the nation could probably just Hope for the best, and you know maybe it'll just be one of those Cinderella stories that turns into one of those short guys that just does really well. You never know, makes his way out. Yep. You just never know. It'd be a cool story for exactly. sure. Exactly. So, so talking Cinderellas, who are your most surprising um, higher seeds to either win the first round or make a run? Aside from Oral Roberts, I'm just gonna go into the topic of bringing up the pac 12 in the hole mm-hmm. i mean oh my gosh ucla i picked them to lose first round first game to michigan state in the playing they were down by what like we're, 10 12 points at half yes i they're in the final four i mean the first four so you gotta <laughs> not final four yeah. yet but <laughs> they somehow made no, it but there <laughs> yeah so you gotta start with ucla and I, I'm flabbergasted. Like I, I don't even know I what that know word means, and I don't here. know. I don't even know how they're there. <laughs> no, I mean, so you look at their, you look at their um, run here. They beat BYU, who was a pretty, pretty tough team. They fought with Gonzaga, but that win didn't surprise me that much. I actually picked them to win that game okay. because I kept my Michigan State pick. Um, and then they got a really good break in their second round game with uh, Bill Christian. And they just clobbered them. And so that was a good break, not having to play Texas in the second round. But then they go and beat Michigan. Yep. And oh, wait, no, they beat, they beat Bama first. Yeah, Bama. Yep. And Bama was in my final four. So that that's when UCLA really, I think, solidified for me that they're legit is when they beat Bama. And then Honestly, I'm not even solidified. Michigan. <laughs> like – you're still you're still sleeping on I'm, them. I'm, I know you are. You have a little um, 
little more of ties to the Pac-12 than I do, having gone to Arizona State for a couple of years. I just I, I, I can't that. take it seriously. Besides Oregon, I mean U of A is not what they were anymore. I I had Oregon winning a couple games and winning the game against U, USC. So I had that matchup set up Oregon USC and mm-hmm. at Oregon winning. Um, USC had a couple bigs. I mean I knew they were gonna get blown out by Zaga, but I, I knew they had potential to make a run. Um, Oregon of course has has had history and they've got the coaching and players to do it, but. Colorado, they're good. Couldn't take them seriously. UCLA, I, I still can't. Twenty-two and nine, thirteen and six in the Pac-12. It's not bad. Uh, Oregon State, of course, twenty and thirteen, ten and ten in the conference. Just unbelievable. I mean, we talked about this before um, in our first podcast before the tournament even started, and we were both just talking about how much we'd like to see the Pac-12 succeed, but they never yeah, do. Yeah, they never do. And yet here we are with. How many how many Pac-12 teams made the lead? We've got UCLA, uh, Oregon State, four, USC, Oregon, four out of the eight. Four out of the eight were from the Pac-12. Unbelievable, and it was just I think it was cool to see. I think if any any upsets were going to happen in this tournament that were going to knock out some of the teams I had going far, I would I I'm glad it was the Pac-12. Yeah. Just because it's fun to see them kind of represent their conference and beat teams they're not supposed to. I mean, Oregon beat Iowa by 15. Like, mm-hmm. USC beat Kansas by 34. Yeah. It's just, it was unbelievable. And so it was, it was definitely cool just to see the Pac-12 kind of um, make their mark in March, which I they agree. never do. Yeah. But. Definitely nice to see. I'm, I mean, again, though, like, I, I just have no explanation. UCLA, in my opinion, should not have got past Michigan State. They played a very good BYU team. Um, they got lucky with Alba and Christian. Then they take down Bama. They take down Michigan. Um, I'm impressed. Just fighting. But here, here's the thing, in my opinion. Even Oregon State, um, taking down Oklahoma State, which I don't know how, taking down Loyola, okay. Um, lost to Houston, hell of a run. But if you, if you take mm-hmm. UCLA and Oregon State, put them against Grand Canyon, so to say, um Mm -hmm. gcu can probably win one out of three if not two out of three of those games against both of those teams yeah absolutely gcu could not compete against michigan they could not compete against um oklahoma state and yet there's still teams knocking them off i i just think it's the power five athletic ability that came into play to where they were able to make it happen um but still it's just hard for me to believe yeah, and I agree with that. And I also I just have to say it has a lot to do with matchups. And I think UCLA was able to match up with every single team they've played. And they got scores. They got they got they had impressive defense from something I haven't really seen from a Pac-12 team. Yeah. And then that, that also leads to USC. Um, they they blew me away. I mean, they had. They had length on defense. That zone D shut every single opponent down besides Gonzaga. Oh, yeah, 56 points Drake, 51 points Kansas, 68 points Oregon after Oregon put up 95 on Iowa. They were unreal. So I, I was impressed. Um, nice run by USC, but Pac-12, who would have thought? At the end of the day, the day Pac-12 was shocking, but also we have a pretty realistic – Besides UCLA, we have a pretty realistic Final Four. 
Um, Baylor, Houston. I had both of those teams in the Final Four, and it's a pretty realistic matchup. Those I feel like those were the two best teams from that side. Um, yeah, and then Gonzaga on the other side. So that's gonna be it'll be a fun Final Four to watch. I think I think Gonzaga is gonna cruise past UCLA. Um, Over or under eighteen. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under eighteen. I think it'll be. I think it'll be closer than a blowout. Okay. But I also don't think I don't think Gonzaga is gonna have any stretch in the game where they're really worried about um, losing that. Yeah. Game. So maybe lingering around ten. Finish ten to fourteen. Would okay. Be probably in that in that range yeah. would be my prediction. All right. So I gotta ask you about this. Houston is a team who. I'm just going to break it down for you. First round, Cleveland State, 15 seed. They won by 30. They beat Rutgers, who's a 10 seed, barely. They beat an 11 seed, Syracuse. They then beat Oregon State, who is a 12 seed, by six. Mm -hmm. They have Mm -hmm. not played a single-digit seed in this tournament. Do they deserve to be in the Final Four? Um, Yes. I... I'm going to say yes because I think one first first point it's March anything's going to happen and we saw that with Oregon State making the elite. Of course. Um every team has that you know like what if factor like what if uh what if Illinois would have won would Houston have beat Illinois. We just we never know same with Oklahoma State. We just we don't know those things and so I would say they deserve to be in the final four and it is hard to say what if because that game against Rutgers scared me to death yeah. just because oh, that would be tough to lose one of my final four teams in the second, <laughs> week, uh, second day. Well, hey, that happened to me with but, o- Oklahoma State too, so. Yeah, yeah. That was tough. Just anything can happen. Yeah, anything can happen. It's just one of those things. And, um yeah, so I guess to sum it up, I'd say they deserve to be in there. Um, but I have Baylor. Baylor's my champion, and I'm sticking with that. And I think, I think Baylor should handle them pretty easily. They have a, Houston has a really good defense, but I think Baylor's offense will be overwhelming, and they they, they got too many weapons. I agree. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty pretty easy win. I think Houston will put up a fight, but I think we'll see Baylor in there. Yes, I, I definitely agree with you. And very similar championship pick. So I have Gonzaga and Baylor. I have Gonzaga yes. winning that. Um, I really hope we get that matchup because I want to be able to trash talk you next week. I do too. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'll be fun. We got to put some money on oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Sure. I mean, Gonzaga's got to skate past UCLA and Baylor, yeah. as we think, will get past Houston. Yeah. Um, two safe picks from the start. I, I like the championship matchup. And I think that's yes. what America wants to see at this point. So yep. I'm hopeful for it. Um, I don't know if I'll watch that Gonzaga UCLA game, but I'll definitely watch Baylor Houston. Yeah, I think it's a pretty. Um, I think it's a pretty obvious pick for those two. I think those two have solidified themselves as the best two teams in the country, and it would be a shootout, nonetheless, to say. Um, to watch the Gonzaga Baylor game. That would be mm-hmm. very exciting to watch just to end this whole crazy tournament. Yep. Absolutely. But going back, I mean, we missed out on a Illinois Oklahoma State matchup. 
And they're both gone by the second round. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's Crazy. tough. I mean, so what do you what do you think about this? Um, you see Illinois go down to Loyola by thirteen, yep. and then how how does a team that beats? I think Illinois was the second most picked team to win at all after Gonzaga, mm-hmm. and how do you see a team like Loyola who beats a very 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 good Illinois team, and then how do they lose the next week to an Oregon State team? To be honest, so Loyola prepped very well for that Georgia Tech game. Um, I had Georgia Tech winning just because ACC team, um, they deserve to be there. They had played well coming up to that. I, I hadn't seen enough film on Loyola either, but um, they, they regardless, they played well. They get past the first round, as does Illinois. Um, but what you see in that second matchup, Kyler actually called this upset and had Loyola in his final four. So they made a run. Um, didn't quite make it there, but having him on last week, he, he did make that call. So props to Kyler, but, um, props to Kyler. you see big brother, little brother, Illinois, Loyola, Loyola is just this feeder school who follows in the footsteps of Illinois, um, top four team in the nation. And you're, you're competing up against them. You've got nothing to lose. Um, and I mean, they prepped well for that game. Illinois did not shoot well and they took them down. So, um, I think that just comes to show that Loyola was not prone to be a top 10, 15 team in the nation. But, I mean, adrenaline kicking through that Illinois game, I think, is what let them go that far. Uh, I mean, playing against Michigan, Baylor, Gonzaga, I don't stand a chance. But um, a lot on the line. And, that I mean, that's a fun game to play in. So um, So you you think that – it really came down to um, Loyola having a good game plan to go against Illinois. Um, Illinois' offense just completely falling apart. And, yeah, no, those those are good points. And it really just does show you how much of, like, different matchups can prove basically everything. And, like, you just – there could be so many different winners, but you go against a team that you're just not, you know, matched up well with – and that cost you getting to the next round. And I feel like that's what we saw with Loyola. Agreed. And then Oregon State just, just took it home, I guess. They really did. And didn't quite see as many uh, Pac-12 teams here in the Final Four. I mean, especially after, after that Elite Eight. Could have had more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see how well UCLA reps it. But um, one one more question on this kind of swapping conferences but big 12 big 10 do do you see a flop in the tournament do you think that went as it was supposed to um i would say it was a major flop i would say the big 10 was the most disappointing conference um probably in a while Mm -hmm. because the big 10 had how many teams 10 yeah, I think they had eight teams ranked in the top 25, closing out the season, and I think they did have 10 coming into the tournament. So they had 10 teams make the tournament. One made the Elite Eight. And I just, I don't know, the Big Ten was a very, no, two teams, sorry. No, one team. Baylor's in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, but a lot, same with the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12 only had one team as well. And so I would say those were 
two huge flops from two very dominant conferences mm -hmm. that basically dominated, dominated the regular season. And it showed with uh, 10 coming from the Big 12, Big 10. Yeah. And then how many came from the Big 12? At least five, six? At least, yeah. They represented well too. But yeah, I mean, they just didn't show up when, I mean, games are they're supposed to handle easily. I mean, West Virginia couldn't handle Syracuse. Oklahoma State couldn't handle Oregon State. Um, yep. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, some of them won maybe one matchup. But yeah, Kansas falls to USC by 34. Iowa doesn't yep. make it two games. Um, yeah, just just a big collapse. But it's a good thing they have Baylor in there, though. Baylor kind of carried their weight and proved that the Big Ten is as something. bad as they were. Well, that's Big Twelve, but yeah, you got something. Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry. So, so you have three um, of your four Final Four teams in two with Baylor, Houston, Gonzaga. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes, and then my fourth was Bama. Obviously, they got to the Sweet Sixteen, yep. but Elite fell eight. to a red hot ucla team so yeah or no was it uh that was, was sweet 16. 16 yeah yeah wow yeah yep i really thought bama was going to get there too i mean they looked bama looked really good in their first um two games beat iona and then they maryland just destroyed maryland yeah. i had them in final yeah. four as well so that was one i missed out on the other one oklahoma state um a little collapse early but yeah, what's just just tough tough loss, tough matchup. It's yeah. exactly. What's your percentile looking? Crazy. Fans so are dying for my to know. main <laughs> <laughs> for my main bracket that uh, I'll I'll use this one as my real one just because this was the first one I made. I'm in the 90th percentile with this one, Ooh. and it all had to do with the final four because I think I was like maybe. 60 68 going into the lead okay. eight because i only had i only had three i only had four of the elite eight no three of the elite eight. Oh wow but then th yeah so i had three of the elite eight but then those three teams all made the final mm -hmm. four so that was um that was the big push to go up to the 90th percent yeah michigan going down probably helped you a lot but i i think houston yes is what got you a ton of points there coming in yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what about what? What's your, um? How's your bracket doing for percentile wise? Mine could be better. I'm in the seventieth percentile. Um, it, it's been up and down. Um, I yep. mean, if we get Gonzaga Baylor, and regardless of that winner, I think I'll finish at least eightieth percentile. If Gonzaga wins it all, maybe yeah. I'll creep up on ninety percent. So, still a solid year. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Could, could be better. I'm not going to win any of the pools I'm in. So, You know, it's just it happens to be the way that the people that have no idea what they're doing just tend to uh, tend to have good brackets. Honestly, I don't, this, I don't know how it works like that, but. <laughs> this girl is in one of, my, uh, one of my groups, one of my groups with my friends, and I don't think she's ever watched a game of basketball in her life, but yet she's in the 100th percentile. No and way. it's just like. It's just unbelievable. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's just... 100th percentile. Yes. <laughs> How? I think she had six of the eight Elite Eight, and then I think she has three of the four in the uh, Final Four. 
So that makes absolutely no sense. But that that <laughs> that's just, March for you. That if, if there's a definition of March Madness, it's that exactly. <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter what you know. You can't predict some of these things, and that's that's you know, the beauty of it. You know, we just we love to see it. We hate to see our teams go, but. The madness just takes over. And it does. You can't, you can't complain. Nope, not complaining at all. It, it really was cool, though, to be in Indianapolis, though, and see um, live basketball for the first time in over a year for me. And Oh, I can imagine. It was – so out of the – you went to three games, correct? Four. Four games, okay. So what – I'm going to say GCU is probably your favorite game to go to just because it's GCU. Of course, yeah. But what was the most um, – like what was the most like exciting game to watch? Aside from GCU, which obviously impartial to that, um, GCU totally took over the entire lower level. Um, any Iowa chant yes. that started, GCU just rocked that arena. So um, even with limited capacity, that was pretty fun to be at. Um, that was cool to see for sure. So of course that being one, but the next one I did get to go to was right before the GCU game. Um, so we had to scurry over to that, but I was at the Creighton and Santa Barbara game. Mm, that was a great yeah, game. Yeah, great finish. Low-scoring game, surprisingly. Um, but Santa Barbara had this guy, um, McClellan, or not McClellan. It, it was something crazy. I, I think number five, but he dropped 20, 25 points. He's been averaging that every every game this year, too, and he was he was a blast to watch. Creighton played great basketball too. Um, fans were getting into it. It was in Lucas Oil Arena too, so big big stadium. But yeah, that was an yeah. exciting one. I don't know if you got to watch that at all. I did. Um, I was gonna say that's it's really exciting to see like good team basketball in March. But um, I would say the more exciting games are when you see those like one or two players that just take over and like. They just take over the entire stadium, and you can just feel the confidence they have, their, the hot shooting they have. You can just feel – like I love watching those games when those one or two guys just take over the entire game, yep. and you can just tell like uh, – those are. I think those are the coolest games to see. So mm-hmm. They're, they're a blast. Be... And, I mean, being a smaller venue and just GCU fans rocking it, the GCU game was by far the loudest game I was at um with yeah. limited capacity but with the santa barbara 12c potential upset and then with the potential um colgate 14 seed upset those stadiums got loud too as we thought i mean a team that is 12 seed 14 seed leading or going on runs the whole stadium backs it up so those were those were a blast to be at and a blast to watch and just exciting to have good basketball playing again yeah and yeah that was just super cool that how it all turned out um kind of disappointing that you know they didn't get to travel to all these different stadiums and see different uh regions but it was cool how it turned out and i'm glad that um they were able to figure out kind of a safer way to make the tournament happen and we got to see some basketball for the first time since two years ago or a bracket for the first time two years. So not, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Not complaining one bit. And even just having them all in one space too. um, I mean, all the fans of 
all 64 teams walking around downtown Indianapolis was super cool to see. It probably might yeah. might even be the only time in our lives that every team's playing in one place. Um, you've yeah. got conference tournaments. Those are awesome. You've got different cities and venues hosting maybe like eight teams, but to have all of them in one place, super cool. Yeah, yeah. and it would be super cool in like 20 years from now when you get to say, yeah, I went to the only March Madness tournament that was held in one or one or uh, – one area i guess exactly so yep blast to be at definitely want to catch one next year too once we're back in full capacity um but yeah a year to remember so absolutely we will it'll be fun to fun to watch this kind of wrap up mm-hmm. and hopefully it goes the way that we're thinking with gonzaga baylor and seeing a great game there but it was overall really exciting yes tournament to watch and we will be touching Just base to on see. this next week, too, and we will let you know about the bets we make going into a potential Absolutely. Baylor and Gonzaga matchup. So stay tuned Gotta on that. Got to make something interesting here. Yep. Yep. Interesting indeed. Um, but yeah, let's take a step away from March Madness for a sec. We'll come back to that next week. Let's just touch briefly on a couple baseball and NFL points I want to touch on. Uh, I'm sure you just saw a few moments ago Francisco Lindor. Yeah. What a what a deal. Oh my gosh. So how okay. How are players uh, so I don't know exactly what the drive is to sign a contract that's that long. You are you just that committed to the team you're playing for or is it you just see that um check and you're just saying I mean, I'd have to be stupid not to sign. This. I don't think the player cares. I mean, if we're talking contracts for a minute, I don't think the player gives one crap of. Uh, okay, there is some that that comes into this of where you're playing, what city you're in, the team, the organization. Um, but at the end of the day, money's money, and if you're signing a ten-year deal yeah. and a team's willing to pay you three hundred and forty-one million dollars, I don't think you care that much where you're going to be playing. As long as it's a place yeah. you can settle down for a few years. I guess that's kind of like the difference between um, players that are, you know, chasing money who are still young or the people that, you know, take a little bit of a pay cut and go play for a team that's, um, you know, ready to compete for a championship. Yeah, exactly. And, and looking at that too, it's like, how do you know if that's going to work out? We talked uh patrick mahomes a little bit with his contract he's a phenomenal player right now what does that look like in the future but even if we're talking baseball albert pujols um 10 year 240 million dollar contract so he's making 24 mil a year that was 10 years ago um look look how that panned out no way you're gonna dump that contract i mean no team's gonna take that on um and now tatis was his like 14 years or something he's like 22 years old yeah so he's going to be there until close to his retirement. Exactly. But. I mean, if you find a place you can settle down for 10 to 12 years, you're making 25 to $35 million a year. So yeah. um, I, I don't – And you do – Go ahead. I was just going to say you do see younger players taking on these kind of contracts more often, and you see them at their end of their career kind of um, – going over to different teams to try to compete for championships than be just because they got few years left, you know, especially if they weren't very successful in their younger years and they're on 
below average teams, you do see them moving towards more championship contending teams yep. just because they're getting close to retirement and winning becomes more important than, you know, making millions of dollars. At that point. Yeah. But look at like Lindor now with the Mets, look at Tatis with the Padres. Um, any other examples you want to make? They're now stuck in their contracts for 10 to 14 years. Um, yeah. I feel like at that point, it's all about money. Like it doesn't matter if you're winning because you have yeah. no say in it. If you're not performing, no, no one's going to take your contract. So yeah. I, I don't get why the league allows contracts more than six or seven years, to be honest. I, I feel like there should be a cap as to how long you can sign. Um, I, mean, I mean, if you're worthy of making $30 million a year, which to anyone in the world, that's absolutely insane to begin with. But if you're worthy of yeah. doing that, like, okay, sign a contract. But how are you able to sign... 10 years when look how much changes in one year. Yep. Yep. So I don't think I'll ever be able to understand. Um, great for them for signing that. Um, their agents did a great job, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't get absolutely. why you would sign someone to 25 to $35 million a year on both ends it's besides just, money. It's just such a large, it is a large commitment and kind of going back to the Patrick Mahomes signing, um, it's a large commitment for one player to be, you know, the, especially in Patrick Mahomes' case, who's their their future. He's their franchise, and you're basically putting every single bit of um, hope that he's going to turn out to be as good as he has been in the past. And it's yeah, it's it's crazy seeing these kind of contracts that are that long, and it is a very risky play for these teams but if you feel like you have the guy that's going to be carrying your team for the next 10 years then i mean all power to you i guess yeah i i just think for the excitement of the game though like let's say i mean the, the chief's very happy they now have patrick mahomes locked in he's happy he's got a giant contract they have a super bowl awesome but um i i think signing Keeping a cap on six or seven years would be awesome because, I mean, after that time, let's say he's not as good as he was, sign a smaller contract elsewhere. Um, if he's still performing, I mean, sign an extension and stay there or have a chance to go play for another team. Um, yeah. I'm all about staying where you're at and making that home and making the career out of one team, but um, I don't know. I, I just love having the – exit ability to go yeah. somewhere else and then i don't know i feel like it's just going to get redundant every year i think it'd be interesting to see in the coming years if that cap ever becomes like a part of any league um it'd be kind of cool to see like how they handle that you know if if these 10 plus year contracts aren't working out mm -hmm. um will they minimize them and yeah it'd be it'd be a cool idea to See, and I'm wondering if any, you know, commissioners are thinking the exact same thing you are. Yeah, I, I feel like at this point, though, it's just money. Um, Ten years ago, yeah, Pujols, absolutely. Prince Fielder signed contracts that were about $25 million and 10 years. That was unreal for baseball. Now we've got guys 10 years later in baseball making $35 million a year. Um, football, $35 million a year. Basketball, you've got guys 45 to $50 million a year. So. Yeah. Uh, the Crazy. price is just going to go up 10 years from now. Yeah. I mean, baseball, football might be in the 50s, at least 40s. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, who who knows where that'll take it? But I, I'd like to see some kind of cap. You know, we might be seeing our first billion dollar contracts here soon if this keeps up. So. <laughs> At some point in our lives, it is bound to happen. <laughs> kind of, um, you got me on the football topic, but I'm really kind of want to switch things over to the draft. I don't know if you've been kind of keeping up with any, uh, any of the prospects, but I'd say the biggest shock kind of I see is with the um, offensive players kind of taking over that first part of the draft. You see uh, the top three picks are projected to be quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. The next five are projected to be um, Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end, and then a bunch of receivers. Like how has, um, how has offense been such a large uh, need for so many teams over defense? Do you think? I think it's just straight case in point. Look at the Jaguars. Look at the Jets. Look at the 49ers, the first three picks. Um, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have anyone to guide their team. So if, if you don't have some direction in your offense, you have to go find it. I mean, defense, they say defense wins ball games. It leads to offense. But if you don't have a quarterback that can guide your team, um, I mean, look look at Tom Brady's career, obviously. But if you don't have if you don't yeah. have something, if you don't have a good tight end to throw to, a good running back to hand the ball off to, you're not going to get anywhere. So I, I think that's where we've got a great class of quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. Um, not so much running backs actually, but yeah, overall, the, it, it's a great class yeah. for that. So first round's packed with it. I just think I just think personally, in my opinion, um, as far as the quarterbacks go. There are a lot of decently good quarterbacks, in my opinion, but I really only see one that's going to be a future, like, franchise, um, you know, change. Uh, Dynamic changer for an organization. Yes, Trevor and that's Trevor yep. Lawrence. I don't, see, I don't see Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields, or what's the Bama quarterback? Uh, Mac, uh, Mac Jones. Yes, I mean they're they're great players, good quarterbacks, but I don't see how taking and risking a pick that high on a quarterback that's okay. I think Justin Fields is pretty good, but I don't know what the hype is about Zach Wilson. I don't either. At all, I don't get. He that. has an accurate arm they're... and he can run. Um, I don't know if they're thinking he he's going to be like a Kyler Murray out there on the field scrambling around and then just, making better passes. I don't know, but I keep seeing these. I keep seeing these correlations to him and Russell Wilson. It's like, how can you possibly be basing like this guy off Russell Wilson? It's just not. I get that he's that kind of player. He's he's small. He's quick. He's young. He's got a big arm, but he also played for one of the week. He played in a very very weak schedule very weak and i just it's he didn't show up before this year Mm -hmm. like how can you base your entire future your entire franchise on a guy that's i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just being a little (laughs) biased here but it's the new york jets what do you expect (laughs) they would have they would have the number two pick and they would have the golden token to yep. pick Zach Wilson, where I, I feel like we know what's going to work out. Um, yeah, I, I hope for the best for the Jets because I feel like we all feel oh, bad absolutely. for them. Um, but yeah. I don't think much is going to come from that. New head coach, they got Corey Davis. They got a good offense. It just 
it's hard to see like a young quarterback. Like I was thinking this earlier too. Like I think um, Sala, their no head coach, he's a great, great head coach. I would have loved him to go to Philly too, but it's I don't think that was the best fit for a young quarterback to try to change their team to come in with. I agree. Um, unless they got some really insane quarterback coach or some really good offensive coordinator, it'll be tough because he's a very defensive-minded coach, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting, I guess. Yeah. I guess we just got to see how it plays yeah, out. Yeah, maybe, it, wor- maybe but, it works out, but I think they're going to have growing pains. Um, yeah, absolutely. And even with Sirianni, is it Sirianni, right? New Eagles coach? Yeah, yeah. Sirianni. Um, yep. We got the number six pick. Do you think we're going to trade that? move back a few slots. What do you see the Eagles doing in the first round? So actually, I'm not sure if you saw, but we actually did move down. Oh, the tr- the trade was official? Yeah. Dolphins? Yeah. So, gotcha. Yeah. So we have, I can't even, just I can't even begin to discuss my frustration with how we've handled this organization the past three years since the Super Bowl. And I seeing that notification on my phone, I almost just started yelling just because there was so much talent in those first couple picks mm-hmm. and it's at the position we need the most yep. receiver. And how are we going to let Devonte Smith, uh, chase and Kyle Pitts all just fall by trading that at, at number like, what's six, the thinking on at that? number six, you have possibility of yeah, Kyle Pitts, Jamar chase is probably gone, but maybe he's on the board. Devonte Smith, yeah, Jalen Waddle, um, yes. Yes. Even Panay from from Oregon, an offensive lineman. If you wanted, all those that'd are be, gone. That'd be a huge pick too. So yeah. I just. What are they stuck with? How <laughs> a cornerback? I don't get the thought process on Howie Roseman at all. I haven't for a while since the Super Bowl, and I just he, I feel I feel like Carson went. I feel like a big reason of why Carson Wentz left was because he never had help around him. You look at our receivers the past few years. Deshaun Jackson gets hurt every other game. Alshon Jeffrey is about 80 years old. Nelson Aguilar. Um, our number, Nelson Aguilar couldn't catch a ball to save his life. <laughs> and so we're stuck with Jalen Rager, who had a very disappointing regular se- uh, rookie season. And then you just have these you know, backup receivers that are stuck with a very talented quarterback with Carson Wentz mm-hmm. and there's our just our ownership never never tried to help him and that I can see why Wentz wanted to get out of there just because he never had any help I love Wentz to death but um I I think that was the right move I love him in Indianapolis now I wish the best for him um it's a great fit yeah for him. absolutely and, and I don't blame him I mean we're both yeah, avid Eagles fans but the organization is horrible we've we've got great coaching we've had great coaching the organization is horrible and yeah you see that in the draft every year that's why we've gotten nothing out of the draft besides what was handed to us with the number two pick or whatever with wins um yeah so it but since it's frustrating i mean cbs has us with jc horn from south carolina right now a cornerback who's a i just don't corner's not a huge position we need i really like him as a pick though um, I don't. It'd be a great pick, but, but no. yeah, that's not what we need. <laughs> and so I don't get. Yeah, oh no, I don't get the decision to move down. And you're not doing. You're not doing Hertz any help by you're not. selecting selecting a defensive player like Hertz needs. He's young. He needs some guys that are going to go make some plays for him. And if you have uh, 
you know, Goddard and Goddard's a great player, but he's not a game changer. He's not. If you have him and Jalen, if you have him and Jalen Rager as your top two options, like you're not helping a quarterback who's 22 years old or 23 mm-hmm. try to grow and try to build a system. At yeah, all. and leaving it here too. The, the thing that just frustrates me the most with it, I, I wasn't completely up to date on that trade. I thought it was just like a mock trade. I didn't realize it had gone through. But um, look at the last game of the season against Washington. You pretty much Oof. take Hurts out and lose that game on purpose. So you move from the ninth yep. pick to the sixth pick. You yep. raise all this controversy in America about – not playing football the right way and not handling that situation the right way. And yep. then you're going to take yep. that number six pick and you're going to trade it for the number 12 pick. And what, a third round pick or something? So the one upside on this trade was we did get a first rounder next year. But looking at the Dolphins, the Dolphins, the Dolphins are, are going to be pretty They're going to be pretty good next year. So who who's going to say that pick's not, you know, in the last 10 10 picks in the oh, first easy. round. It's going to be a 20s so pick, maybe 25 to 30, and you know we're going to blow yes. that pick anyways. So. <laughs> I just you, I don't think Doug made the decision to pull Jalen Hurts last year in that last game. I think it was Howie Roseman, and I just think over since we've won the Super Bowl, he's just completely just destroyed this team, and I don't understand why. He's Honestly, I'm, just, I'm so frustrated mm-hmm. with him and – and, and we we need a receiver. Just, We're probably going to miss out on it until 12 picks now. They've got us taking a receiver in the yeah. second round, which, okay, but we don't draft good receivers. And we had the chance to get one of three amazing receivers coming out of college, and we just threw it down the any, drain. Any of those three guys would be week one game changers. Yeah. Like, Chase is he just ran a four three eight today? Are you kidding me? Yeah, looking back, absolute. We're stuff. gonna see these guys turn into CD Lamb, Justin Jefferson. Um, yes, absolutely. Like, like it's just gonna kill us in future years knowing we could have had one of those three guys, and now we're gonna be stuck with someone who's gonna be off the team in two years. Yeah, but, it is hard to be like mad, I guess now, just because we expect this stuff every single year. Now we expect us to fall short. We expect us to make these kind of picks, and so it's it's still frustrating. But like at least now we know, you know, we do make those stupid decisions every year, so we kind of expect it to come. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I guess closing closing question here, um, closing out this draft, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about it more uh, through the month of April, oh, leading up to the draft. So. Um, get ready for that. But um, with the 12th pick, what what position do you try and take there after what's going to be off the board? Well, so as much as I want to say one of those receivers or one of those offensive talents are going to come and fall to 12, I just don't really see it happening. And so you kind of do just have to fall into who's the best overall player after that. And we do have a position to fill at corner. And so seeing um, seeing a corner fall, like Patrick Certain, if he were to fall at 12, that would be a great pick. Um, I would say he's, I don't know, I've, I've seen some very missed, like, uh, I guess, what am I trying to say? I, I've seen some different opinions on him. 
but I do think he's a pro-style corner, and he would be a very good corner number two aside Darius Slay. But I think at that point, if all those receivers are gone, you kind of just have to go on who's best available. And that could be a corner. It could be a linebacker. It could be O-line. You just Yeah, time, time will tell. We have plenty of weeks, plenty of time to talk more about this leading up to the draft and um, just wait for us to rip apart that draft recap. But <laughs> one, one thing I yeah, would like to see brutal. too, um, if Travis Etienne can fall to the Jags, at 25 as well and get Lawrence and Etienne, that, I would love it. I would love it. I mean, I would It'd watch be... way more Jags games than I ever would. Oh, absolutely. With Urban Meyer there too. Uh, yeah, it, they, they've got a lot of exciting things. He's coming in in a great they have, year. Yeah, they have a lot of draft capital. They have a lot of money to spend. They got one of the best quarterbacks to ever come out of college mm-hmm. and a great head coach. So that's a very promising team. I'd be – very pumped to be a Jags oh, fan. Oh, for, for sure. Yeah, give it two, three years, and I see him as the Cleveland Browns now. So, yep, yep, absolutely. Very exciting stuff. But uh, wrapping it up, I mean, thank you all for, for um, staying tuned here this week and really appreciate you guys. Um, lot to look forward to here with the NFL draft here coming to a, a close here in April. Um, March Madness, of course, wrapping up here this Saturday and Monday with the Final Four. Um yeah, lots to look forward to and a lot more to get into here in coming weeks. But um, thank you all. Aaron, you got any finishing touches here? No, it's just good to be back and kind of go over, you know, the most exciting month of sports that we have to offer with March Madness. And it's a very exciting time. We're going to go in kind of like that dry period where it's just kind of baseball and uh we got nba finals still i guess but we do a little got bit of a dry spell. that dry period yeah. yeah but then football starts up and it's right back yep. to it so i'm just it's fun to watch the uh the draft and the prospects come while we have that uh little dry period yep. but got some got some fun stuff uh closing out here in the next couple months though so we'll enjoy it we'll be watching um you'll be listening so um once again thank you all for joining us again for session two here with tater tot sports talk um we will be back at you next week see you next time see you next time